0: Buddy, and Welcome to episode 62 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad and After a little bit of a uh, long absence for you, my friend, uh, we have Eric Cole on the podcast today. What's up, Eric?
1: Yeah, by court order, I wasn't allowed to be on the show for a while. I'm not really sure what happened, but you know... <laughs>
0: Uh, you have your own podcast now, so I try to I try I to do. let you I try to let you do that uh, and not steal you too often. And uh, but of course, now that now the season's rolling on, I need I need my prospect fixed too. So uh, you're the person I trust the most on Braves things. Uh, so there you, there you go. Welcome, sir. I appreciate you doing this.
1: Absolutely, it's good to be here.
0: Uh, we will get to some minor league stuff later on. Uh, and that's, but you're also uh, a major league guy as well. You do both, so uh,
1: I, 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 I've been known to watch the major league club from time to time.
0: Y- you do. You're plugged in. Uh, things are not going super do, do, well. Do, do,
1: do they? Do they still play at Turner Field? Is that? Is that? Is that? Is that, tri- is that the case? Something else happened?
0: Yeah, they. I think they might have moved somewhere uh, recently. Uh, um Have awkward. you? Been, have you been? By the way, have you been? Oh
1: uh, yeah. Uh, yeah I, w- I went. I went Easter Sunday. I went. I, I
0: went. I went the day before, so we were pretty close there.
1: Yeah, it was my daughter's first game. Uh, first baseball game ever, actually. So it was, a, it was a really good day. I caught a foul ball. Uh,
0: wow, that is a good yeah. day.
1: Yeah, I th- I'm pretty sure it hit three different people before it got to me, and I didn't even get out of my seat to get it, but it, yeah, I got it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, that's good fortune. I've, I've never caught one. This is, a, this is something of a sidebar, but I have never caught a ball, foul, fair, anything at a baseball game, and I've been to – Hundreds of them. It's kind of bizarre. Well, she, but.
1: well she, she knew that my my father-in-law had gotten balls in batting practice, so she really wanted one. So we went out there in the sun and for like an hour and a half and didn't really even come that close. And she started getting upset, and I told her, I'm like, look, I've been to a lot of baseball games, I haven't even come close to getting one. And then literally an Eric Ibar foul ball landed right in front of me.
0: Oh, shouts yeah. to Eric Ibar, Braves yep. legend.
1: Yep. Thank you, Eric. Appreciate uh. it.
0: <laughs> that's, uh, that's phenomenal. Um, Well, Things are going better for you than they are for the Braves. That was a segue, a professional segue, we would say, in the business. But uh, the Braves have lost six games in a row. Um, They even things up. Last time we were on the podcast, actually, a week ago, um, the team was six and I think five and six or six and six uh, and was scorching hot. And now they are the exact opposite of that after losing six in a row. So, I mean, it's too early to actually like panic and stuff, but today was another brutal loss. Uh, Saturday was brutal in the fact that the Braves came back and took the lead on the—well, uh, tie the game, then took the lead, uh, and then blew it in the bottom half of the 10th. Sunday was a slow bleed as well. Um, there were some positives, but back-to-back-to-back um, to back to back home runs in the eighth inning is never never yeah. good. Uh, so no, it's not good. No. Yeah, I mean— I guess we can just. I guess the easiest way to ask you this is, um, is it time to panic and jump, jump off bridges, or is this something that's just going to happen uh, from time to time with this team?
1: It's it certainly not time to panic, but here's the caveat. If something could go wrong for the Braves, it has gone wrong. They've had, uh, in Pittsburgh, they had a walk-off home run by a guy who has now been suspended for like 80 games for PED use. <laughs> then we've, we, uh, multiple bullpen collapses where like the Braves came back and rallied, and took a lead only to have it lo- only to have it lost by the bullpen, whether that be Jim Johnson or uh, today it was vizcaino and there there's there's been multiple culprits here with the bullpen uh, and what seems to be a historically bad bench i mean every time we need a pinch hitter and like we have like two on or the bases loaded, and then snickers goes, "Okay, Emilio Bonifacio, go do your thing it's 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 painful because you feel like you know what's going to happen and I I don't have a great solution to that problem because bench bats are always going to be you know hit and miss anyway. But ours is really really bad. So I don't know. Maybe with Ryan Howard getting signed, and maybe he he maybe he can be like a pinch hitter, where at the very least you have to kind of be afraid to throw him strikes because he you know he's not the player he used to be. But he you know he can still hit a ball a long way if you just pipe it down the middle. So I don't know. I mean the the way, the way the Braves have lost has felt worse than the like a 6 and 10 or a 6 11 record this early doesn't really mean that much to me um and with it just feels particularly bad because of the way it's happened because you could very easily see five or five of those games ending up being wins for the Braves but because either you know Dansby's luck on balls and play has been awful the bench has been bad um the bullpen's you know thrown away some games I mean it, they could easily have a winning record right, right, right now but instead we're just kind of We we get to watch these games where we're like, hey, this could happen this time. Oh wait, never mind. You know, it's been peak Barbs, and you don't. It's not. That's not a good feeling, and I understand why that's upsetting to some people. But at the same time, they've been in these games a lot of these games late, and I feel like some of that's going to even out down the road.
0: Yeah, it could have been much worse, as you're as you're putting it, um, and the fact that the Braves are. (laughs) I don't know. They are minus 20 in run differential, so that's not that's not great. But I'm no. I'm also with you in that there's been some opportunities that they've been that they've squandered in uh, in various avenues. I mean I mean you look at look at today's game, and that's uh that's a that's again a got got out of hand in a hurry there. And even then, even late, they still had another chance with uh, what bases loaded to come back and potentially uh, even things up. So it's a spot where. It's frustrating. Uh, it's been. It was like. I mean, sat- last night, Saturday night, as we're recording this on Sunday, that game was infuriating, just for a yep. number of reasons. Uh, just even the way they lost in the bottom of the tenth with like just balls that were uh, playable, but the plays didn't get made in the field. You know, there's just kind of. A, it, it's been something different all well, the time, but it's well, been frustrating.
1: And then, and, and then there's like the CB Buckner game where yep. he could he couldn't figure out how to play. He, he couldn't do do any aspect of his job well at all <laughs> as an umpire. Uh, and then you have like like you know when you mentioned the run differential, really you can look at. Bryce Harper owning Julio Tiran in a game, a bad Bartolo start, and then the game today, and that's almost all of that run differential. Those are just three losses. You know what I mean? But they, it looks bad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Those games were not fun to watch, obviously. But at the same time, with, when you're dealing with small sample sizes, things can get look a little wonky, and I'm, I'm just not that worried yet.
0: Yeah, I do think run differential is a good indicator later on, but right now it doesn't mean a whole lot. It's just worth pointing out, at least. You mentioned actually; I was we were talking about this later, but let's just get to it now since you mentioned it. Julio is a guy that I enjoy a great deal, but uh, I I wrote this down to talk about Bryce Harper and the fact that he just, for some reason, absolutely owns Julio. Uh, The numbers are kind of staggering. yeah, it's pretty bad. So I'm going to read these off. Uh, 30, 33 career plate appearances against Tehran. Uh, Harper has 15 hits, 7 homers, 17 RBIs, and 5 walks. He has a four fifty-five, five thirty-eight, and a 1,182 slugging percentage. Uh, so, I mean, it's a small sample, but it feels like I mean, it's Bryce Harper, so there's, there's worse guys to own you. I mean, he's one of the best players in the sure. league, so I, I get it. But man, it's, it feels like it's even crazier than even the numbers indicate. I, it's, I'm almost expecting him to go yard every time he play. Every time he faces Tehran, because Tehran is your best pitcher, and this is a divisional opponent. That's kind of a terrifying feeling. Yeah, I
1: feel like Tehran's approach too is like he he kind of takes that rivalry personally. Like you know, like the, it's an interdivision rival, and obviously Bryce Harper is both a very, very, very talented player, and also not a particularly well liked one. And Braves fans, and I'm sure that the Braves players just want to like, you know, just blow him, just blow the ball past him and be done with him. Um, I just don't think Tehran has that stuff. And I feel like he's pretty aggressive the way he pitches to him. Just kind of like, you know, pitches that are kind of like middle in and then, you know, just daring him to hit it. And Bryce Harper, I mean, Bryce is a lot of things. And he is a guy that you can definitely, there's holes that you can take advantage of at times. But he's not the kind of guy you can just like pipe it in the strike zone and not have a lot, really something on it. And, and then not get punished for it. Because like I said, he's one of the best talented players in baseball. So I wonder if his approach in those at-bats is, necessarily, is good. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's Bryce Harper. Uh, the, the numbers aren't good. And, I mean, 33 career at-bats, I mean, that's not a big sample size, but it's not a really small one either. So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things that, unfortunately, Braves fans are going to have to deal with. Um, but as far as I mean, that, that's pretty much the only guy that comes to mind that's really kind of gotten the Julio consistently. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those "it is what it is" type things.
0: Yeah, I just wanted to even when when you it's, see it's us, it's it's really
1: bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: the slugging percentage over a thousand. Uh, that's not that's not an OPS. That's a slugging percentage by itself. Uh, it's kind of uh, just makes it funny and uh, just worth pointing out for the future if and when this Braves team actually becomes competitive enough. It
1: looks kind of like Freddy It looks like Freeman's line from like last week. It's unreal.
0: Yeah, Freeman has been. Uh, absurd um he did reach base on 12 straight, oca- 12 straight occasions last week to set a, a braves record um he actually went 0 for 4 on sunday and still has absurd numbers he has a 238 wrc plus after an 0 for four game so that kind of tells you how crazy freddy's been that,
1: that uh, is silly yeah
0: yeah it's 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 nuts i mean it's not sustain. i know it's not sustainable but like do you think like do you buy into Freddie as like And and actually, like an Uber elite hitter, because for the last calendar year, like he's the best hitter in baseball. And I'm not sure he's that, but there's an argument now that he might be one of the five, seven best hitters in the league. Is that sustainable? You think?
1: Uh, I mean, he certainly is in the conversation. Though the thing that you like is that you know he's not they're they're not cheap hits. You know, he's not a guy that's like you know like getting seeing eye singles. You know, he's just he's hitting line drives all over the field, and his power to both fields is is crazy good. Uh, I think that by the numbers um, – and we might talk about this in a bit – is I, th- I think that SunTrust Park is a good place for him, which is going to help uh, just in terms of like you know if we're wanting to see what his WRC Plus or you know how he ranks against the rest of the league in terms of numbers. I think that's going to help him. Uh, but just – he's – for the last – I mean I guess since from the second half last year until now, he's just – he hits hard line drives. Uh, he hits lefties well. He – I mean and obviously he hits righties well. I mean he's – because he's again been one of the best hitters. Um, is he gonna do this all year? Absolutely not. But I mean, and I, I struggle to think that he'd ever be like a 300 hitter. But I mean, like 282, 290 with like one of the best WRC pluses in the game because he hit, he just makes so much hard contact. Is not that far off for me. Um, I think he's kind of gonna be a guy for the foreseeable future where he can be like in an MVP discussion. Um, it just it just kind of depends, you know, if he gets on a re- like you know like he started the year as probably the best hitter in baseball, right? You know, if he can like string together a string together a couple streaks where he does that, I don't know if anyone else is going to be able to keep up with him. If that's the case, but if he ends up just turning into a regular Freddie that we kind of know with those streaks, that's still a very good offensive year. You know, and and I mean, he's in the conversation. It's hard to say, right? I mean, like some of the best hitters in baseball right now are like are slumping terribly. So, you know, small sample size warning. You know is worth taking into consideration, but you'd rather, you'd certainly rather be hitting, hitting well now when pitchers usually have an advantage over hitters, uh, then you would, then you know, if he was like, you know, started the year like two for 20 or something like that, like he started last year.
0: Yeah. This doesn't matter at all, but coming into Sunday, this is before the, before the over four, it's worth noting, but he already had 1.5 fan war, uh, on April 22nd. He, he, he's been nuts, which is again, that's unsustainable, but Freddie is, uh, really, really good at baseball. And listen, he's 27 years old. Like this might just be, uh, the, I mean, I don't want to say the new normal, but like this, this should be his prime. I mean, this is his physical prime in terms of uh, as at the plate. So it wouldn't be a surprise to see him have, a, I guess, a better year than last year, which I, you know, coming into the year, I, I said it would not be a shock to me if la- if 2016 was his best season ever. Um, and because, and by the way, there's no shame in that because he was absolutely awesome no. last year, um, None. but he might, he might beat it in 2017, which would be nice. Um, well, I'm,
1: I mean, he's, he's well on his way right now for sure. And, you know, it's. Worth noting that, like for the last couple of years, he kind of had some weird nagging injuries. Like he had a mm-hmm. wrist thing, and he had, you know, like an ankle thing the year before that. It's kind of like these weird nagging injuries. It's possible that, you know, a really, real, like a completely healthy Freddie Freeman is just one of the better hitters in baseball. Is that sustainable? I mean, when you play baseball, you get dinged up. So maybe he's kind of a guy that wants – if everything's firing right, he is he can do this. But you know, at the same time, with like you know, some things bothering him, he might not be nearly as good. So.
0: Yeah, I mean, we'll, I mean, he's definitely healthy. At least he looks healthy. Yeah, well, if, if if he's not
1: healthy, then you know, keep doing whatever you did to him. No, yeah, my
0: goodness. Uh, yeah, Freddie's Freddie's been incredible, uh, and it's good to focus on him to make your life a little bit happier on this fine uh, Sunday evening. With that said, uh, people keep asking me, and I know it's too early to talk about this, but we haven't. I've, I've purposely spent the last two weeks on un- ignoring it on the podcast, but. I'm putting you on the spot along with myself now. Uh, people think that SunTrust Park is just a hitter's park now, for sure. Uh, it's still too early to say that, but it certainly feels like it's going to be one that might help Freddie in the future as well as some other people. But um, do you, does it feel that way to you? I, I, I guess some of these uh, some of these lazy fly balls that are getting out of the park, there was one on the, on the night that I was there, the, I believe it was from Adonis Garcia, that I could not believe left the ballpark while being in the building. Is it feeling like to you that it might be uh, a strong hitter's park? Is that I guess I know it's too early, but I guess I have to ask.
1: I think, generally speaking, it's going to be a favorable hitter's park for left-handers. Um, now, what I've I asked, I've talked to a few people about it, and the, the, I mean it's right there on Windy Hill Road, and there, there's a reason why the name of that road is what it is, because there is usually some wind out there, <laughs> um, and you would think that it would just be in all different directions, but from what I understand is that, generally speaking, the direction of the park, it, I don't think it was chosen by accident. I think that the, when I was there, the wind was blowing out to left, but it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like left to right. Uh, I mean, bro, it was blowing out to right, and it was blowing left to right. So, and that seems to be what from what I've seen. You know, again, usual small sample size stuff. That, that seems to be where the wind goes. Um, so, in, in that sense, I think it's going to be a hitter's park. I don't think there's anything about the dimensions that's like super favorable pitchers or hitters because the right field dimensions are in, but the wall's also higher. So you know that means you really have to kind of get under the ball more does that what does that mean? I don't know, but i I didn't notice anything that was super out of the ordinary, but I will say that there was a there was a bit of a breeze and I feel like that maybe based on that location that there's going to be some wind if that's something that's a consistent thing then you know that that's where I would point to it being slightly a hitter's park, but I know that some folks were saying that they thought it was going to be slightly pitcher-friendly, and that's just not true at all.
0: Yeah, that was the thing that sort of struck me was that we all heard that coming in before yeah. baseball was ever played there, that it might be uh, more pitcher-friendly. And the people that I have talked to that are there all the time um, that I you know get some information from, it feels like, you know, all you keep hearing is that the ball just jumps. And, and you throw in that relatively short porch and right, and right center that Freddie Freeman's already talked about, the, how, how, he, how yeah. much he enjoys the 375 in right center or whatever it is like that. Um, might just be, uh, I mean, it's not going to be coarse feel or anything, but it might no. be, uh, it's going to be favorable, I think.
1: Uh, yeah, it's, and it's, it, I will say this I, I was there for batting practice, and there wasn't like balls getting launched out all the time so
0: well good because I, I, that, that's that's the thing for me i mean not not, not to cut you off but like I, I don't want it to be like crazy no. one way or the other i like i like it to be somewhere in the middle and even if it just leans one way and we kind of know which way it leans i just don't want it to become like even like you know chase field or great american ballpark where like it's not quite coarse but it's a very very strong hitters park i'd rather it's somewhere yeah. or like a white Sox
1: room. park where like you hit the ball and, like a pop-up all of a sudden the wind catches it and it goes 400 feet somehow yeah
0: yeah i, I don't want that i mean it might i guess it might happen down the line if you know, especially when the wind's flowing. I mean, I guess the concern is that this early in the year, when it's not hot yet, if the ball's already jumping like that, then you could be uh, in some trouble because normally when it gets hot, stuff, the ball starts flying out a little bit more, but we'll we'll see.
1: Maybe. I don't know. It's a tough thing. It's tough to say. It's
0: it it, It's too early. We know that, but uh, worth talking about because people keep asking, so I w- wanted to say it sure. a little bit here. Um, before we get into some minor league stuff, I want to talk to you about a couple couple of major league things. Uh, this, is, this one's more just because it angers me, and I want to tee you up, but why does Bryce Snicker keep hitting Adonis Garcia at number two in the lineup? Why? <laughs> why, why, um, is, why does he do yeah. this to me, Eric? Why?
1: L- life is pain, Brad.
0: Life,
1: life is, is pain. Life is pain. Uh, no, uh, look, Adonis Garcia, it's almost like he has like one game or hits one ball or makes one play at third base well enough that – it seems like Snicker sees it and goes, ah, he's finally coming around. You know what I mean? Like he'll make like one good play at third base or he'll hit one home run in a, big, in a, in a good spot and then you're like, see, he, he, this is the guy we think he can be. The guy's like in his 30s and for the most part can't play third base well and he is at best a platoon player on a bad team. Now, I'm not sure if the Braves are a good team, so maybe he is a platoon player on the Braves, but he shouldn't... He, he's not... He's not in the top five hit best hitters in this lineup, and somehow he's in the spot where we would probably put our best hitter if given the the, the opportunity. Um, I at this point I would rather just give either give real Ruiz a shot or you know basically almost anyone else at this point. You know maybe try to go find someone else because he he can give away at bats. He's a net negative on as a defender. I'm I'm kind of just over him. Uh, so why Snetger does it, I have no earthly idea. I think he's under the assumption that, you know, putting him in a different place in the lineup will, you know, magically give him powers and hitting ability that he's never had, but yeah, I, I'm at a loss. You know, he's, he's not, he's not a particularly fun player for me to watch. Uh, is, is Rio Ruiz down in Gwinnett? Is he a better option? I think I would enjoy watching him more for another reason that at the very least Rio is a capable defender and I think he'd hit right, right handers well, but, or reasonably well anyway, but. I mean, just you kind of count me out on the Adonis stuff.
0: There's there's an interesting thing that he that has been doing, even in the media, and he's talked about. He, they of course moved Dansby Swanson down out of the two hole to, I guess, to try to jumpstart him. But in the same breath. They move Garcia, who was also struggling mightily, by the way, up to the two hole, and then talk about how he could be aided by some, you know, quote unquote lineup protection of Freddie Freeman, as if Dansby wasn't aided by the same thing. I don't know. It's just a lot of inconsistency from Snicker. Listen, this is I understand lineup construction doesn't matter as much as I tend to talk about it, but like for instance, there was a there was I think it might have been Friday. Maybe even Saturday. I can't remember which one it was, but Garcia was easily the worst hitter in the lineup, and he was hitting in the number one position in the lineup, which is number two. So it's it's absolutely insane. Um, to, on the bright side, on Sunday, Garcia did not play. it Should be noted, but went to Brandon Phillips in the two hole, and with the way Phillips has been swinging, that's uh, advisable. I'm, I actually wanted to ask about Phillips too because I came I came into the year kind of negative on Phillips, and looking, he he's been great so far, and he had two more hits on yeah, Sunday. He-
1: yeah, and he looks good in the field too. I mean, like he's not he's not the guy he like defensively he's not the guy he used to be where he was, you know, a web gem waiting to happen a lot of times cuz he's, you know, he's also very like theatrical, you know what I mean? Like he yes. he'll, he'll, he'll he'll spin around and he'll he'll show off a little bit. But he's, you know, he's been great. He's been stealing bases too. I think he's like third in the in like National League in stolen bases now, uh, which blows my mind. But <laughs> yes. um yeah, I mean, he, but he's he's been doing everything right. I mean, he was one of the better players on the field when I saw him the Sunday I went. Uh, he was just was just playing really well. Um I, you know, I'm glad that Snicker decided to put him in the two hole because he's definitely been. That's a good spot for him right now, at least the way he's hitting. Uh, but there's a real, it, it's really concerning because you know a lot of us, you, know, you and I included, when they brought Snicker in, they we wanted someone that maybe was a little bit more forward thinking tactically, or at least wasn't just Freddie Garcia with a different uniform number on. We, we didn't want, we, we didn't, we didn't want, we didn't want Freddie Gonzalez again, right? And Tactically speaking, I mean, it's the same bullpen management. It's the same running, you know, I mean like there has to be someone else in pinch hitting situations that's better than Emilio Bonifacio in these in these like big bases loaded situations. There, I mean I, I, have to, I have to believe that there has to be someone else on the bench that can do that and that hasn't done that. It, it, does he have a different demeanor and do the players seem to like playing for him? I, I think so. But he's he's not gaining – we're not gaining any value from any managerial decisions that are being made. Um, every once in a while he'll like bring in who he thinks his best reliever is in the eighth inning or something like that, and that's something that Freddie never did. But there's a concern that I have that as the course of the year we're going to give away more and more, I guess, opportunities on the field because our, our manager is either stuck in a very specific way of thinking that is not – conducive to being successful against other teams that are thinking for in a forward-thinking way and can you know engineer things better than we can so it's not something I've that, that that's an issue that maybe that's one of the reasons why the Braves only gave you know only gave the one-year contract to him to kind of see how he actually did whenever he had the reins for a full year but it's it, it hasn't been very inspiring to watch in terms of like the managerial decisions that have been made
0: yeah, that's, that's a good way to put it. Uh, we'll, we'll see how it goes moving forward, but I've not been impressed. That's that's one thing that I will say. I'm, and this stuff off the field, it does, it does matter. It always matters more than I oh, more yeah. than I want to talk about, and people seem to like snicker but uh, on the field, the stuff, the stuff that we can see, the tactical stuff, the strategic stuff, uh, it's not gone particularly well. I will say that. Um, but it's a small sample. Maybe he'll somehow improve. I'm skeptical of that, and I think that's one of the reasons, as you just said, that they didn't invest fully in him, which kind of drove me crazy at the time because either hire a guy or you don't, and they kind of took the half measure, which I didn't like, but still, um, I don't want to go get too deep into that again. It's just worth noting that uh, things are going going wrong that uh, could be avoided, and that's all. That's all we'll say <laughs> yeah, exactly. about yeah, that. I agree. I, I um, agree. I agree. Before we get out of Major League Major League land, I wanted to ask you: How, how do you feel about the last couple of days? Uh, Aaron Blair was up as a long man. He went back down. Matt Whistler was up after that to replace him. Are you okay with those guys kind of ping ponging back and forth into the uh, emergency long relief? Ball? Of course, it was created by sort of a bullpen need, so I understand that. But uh, do you are you okay with those t- two guys in particular being the guys who were going to go up and down and become the long men when they need that?
1: Well, I know I know that Callmenter uh, wasn't available, and that's one of the reasons why they called Blair up first. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think Blair minded. Uh, everything I've heard, he didn't. It was it was kind of understood that it was going to be a short term thing. Uh, I don't think he's going to miss a start because of it. And honestly, I mean, his first start in AAA was a disaster. It was really bad, but ever since then, he's actually looked pretty good. Uh, his delivery is different. You know, when he was in the majors, he kind of like whenever his delivery, he would like kind of like a long coil. He'd like almost twist all the way backwards and then throw. Uh, he's like gotten rid of a lot of that noise, and he's locating his fastball bat much better, and his sliders look good. So I, I was kind of hoping that you know maybe he was going to be sticking around for a little bit longer. Uh, now Matt Whistler, on the other hand, um, if you need a bullpen guy and you just need him for a couple days, I guess that's fine because you want maybe you want Blair to get the start, you know, make sure he doesn't miss his start. But Whistler, his home run problem is. Really, really bad. Um, he, when he gives up, look at every game he's get played this year. I mean, it's two or three home runs every game. You know, he's leaving his pitches up, and you know he has a, he has a real slider that he can use as a weapon, but his fastball location is like m- middle, middle. And you know when he's not he's not throwing particularly hard, so all he's doing is throwing batting practice to some of these guys who know how to hit. And this is just against AAA hitters. So I'm 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 much much lower on Whistler at this point now. Uh, but I do see a potential for Blair to do something potentially still as a starter. Um, that's more of a wait and see type thing. But I, I, right now with Whistler, I just I don't see i I, I see little to no hope uh, that he's ever going to be anything just because he can't keep the ball in the yard. he's he's too hittable and he's just gonna get knocked around by these big lead hitters.
0: Yeah, the command's just not good enough. He has to be perfect to pitch well because of the stuff just not being that good. It's been my concern for a while, and I know we have a couple of guys who really like him. Carlos likes him. Um, Zach Diller likes him. Guys that I guys that I respect, but it's, I just don't get it honestly at this point in time. And I, I liked uh, so I, the profile was okay. It's just that he has to be. But when,
1: when, when everything goes right, because you have to paint right. the corner, you have to paint the corners with his stuff. You have to go like if you want to be in the you know if you want to be in the middle like you know from top to bottom. If you want to be in the middle, you need to be in. Or you need to be on the outside corner because you can't just pipe it in them down the middle. He doesn't have that kind of stuff. There's no, there's not real run in his fastball. His changeup is fine as a t- change of pace pitch, and his slider is legitimately good. But if you're sitting on his fastball and you once it comes, it there's it's not doing anything that's going to fool you.
0: Well, it's yeah, just not, so. it's it's the situation where I mean, for instance, like he's he's allowing almost almost a home run and a half per nine innings in the majors. Um, and it's not that it's not that small of a sample, but like his 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 control was good. Like by a regular starter standard, he's only walking three guys per nine in his major league career. But he has to be a guy who walks like one and a half per nine, just because he cannot give up base runners. Because he's always going to give up, even if he fixes the home run problem, so to speak. He's always going to give up more than you want because of the fact that he's so hittable. If he misses it all, it's going to be meat for other people and he just has to be an elite control guy he's just not elite he's good enough to like be a you know he's a major league-ish pitcher like he's not an embarrassment on the mound like he has a career 4.88 era that's not good at all but it's not like you can't function like he could be a fifth starter for a bad team i guess but aside from that in terms of like upside where where, where this rotation is probably headed with all the guys that they have competing for these spots in, in the future i just i don't really see that spot for him i just don't i'm with you uh, well, anyway, I wanna at least get that out there because it's sort of a news item too that those guys were uh, up and down, and uh, Whistler I guess is still on the team as we record this, so we'll see how long he lasts up. up. But uh, yeah, that was it was all spurred on by Colebatcher being unavailable, but still the fact that they went went ahead and brought Whistler up again after they sent Blair down was kind of uh, I don't know if that it wasn't that weird, but it was uh, at least noteworthy that he that they were able and willing to do that. Um, one more thing about calls from AAA, we mentioned Ryan Howard at the top. Uh, he looked good in Gwinnett in his debut, but, you know, what does that mean? Uh, are you are you at all excited about Howard? Is he a guy that, like, could function? On? Obviously, he's a non-defensive entity, entity, but he also would probably be the best hitter on the bench right now in the Major League. So do you think he can be up anytime soon? We, talk, we were talking about this, like, probably two weeks ago, and he didn't even appear in Gwinnett until over the weekend. So I guess it's the timeline is sort of funny. But do you think he can be helpful when and if he arrives?
1: Um, we had uh, Jeff Jones, uh, one of our writers. He saw Ryan down in uh, extended, and he said that you know he looked he looked fine. He was he was still trying to get in game shape, and now that he's in AAA, meaning obviously he's only had one game, but he looked good there. I don't know. How do I put it? I don't. I mean, I would put him on the bench right now, anyway. I wouldn't, it wouldn't matter to me in the slightest if we did that or not because he, I mean, right now the bench is so bad that having someone that at least has some, that has some ability to put fear in pitchers and make them understand that, you know, there's going to be consequences for, you know, just throwing strikes that he can still turn around on a pitch, uh, even if he can't do it as much as he used to. I mean, I don't think he needs to stay in Gwinnett long because honestly, he's not competing against anyone that, He's not competing against anyone on that bench that's really going to have a long baseball career beyond this year. Regardless, I just don't know how that affects certain other roster decisions, like you know who's going to be backup center fielders and in the outfield and things like that. So I'm hopeful, but that he'll be up soon because I just rather have a bat that is worth something uh, on the bench. But also, I mean, all he would be doing is backing up Freeman. And because you can't, mean you can't put you can't put Ryan Howard in the outfield. I just don't see you that You can't Daniel put him over. anywhere. No, he's he's, yeah, he's you, a pure bench
0: can't. bat. Which listen, I mean, it's it's kind of funny to talk about it because uh, I'm all about some versatility on the bench. Um, but as bad as the bats are, like you just have to have a single pinch hitter. right now, you just don't have yep. that. I mean, how how long can you? I mean, even the scenario now that Snicker keeps using Bonifacio is infuriating anyway on a number of levels. But it's not as if he has a good option. I mean, there are better options than Bonifacio. Um, but that's a low bar to clear. And I think, you know, when you're, when your best bench bat is either, you know, if Tyler flowers is off that day, it's Tyler flowers. And if it's not, it's probably what Jace Peterson, that's terrifying. You have to, you have to have somebody else to pinch hit in a big spot and they just don't have anyone right now. So yeah, nope. call, call up Ryan Howard. As soon as he's even close to ready, I, I'm with you on that all the way. And should, I'm not sure they'll yeah, do me, it. I mean-
1: yeah and you know there I, I there's nothing you lose if it doesn't work out you know right. I mean, he's not you didn't you didn't sign him to a big a big money deal or anything like that but there there there's real upside with Ryan because you know there are games where a lot of these games where if we just needed two runs driven in i mean Ryan's not good at a lot of things, but he can hit a ball far. So, <laughs> yes, um,
0: Braves fans know that too well because, uh, of course, he's uh, famously well, tormented the Braves for a long time. But he's not that guy anymore. But he uh, at least has power. There's no question about that. He's a, he's a terrifying guy, in the, especially against right-handed pitching. You don't, you don't want to see him if you're the opposition in the box. No,
1: he, he, SunTrust will treat him well too.
0: Absolutely, if he is a, even a even a I don't even know if he's 80 percent of his old self, then he'd be terrifying in yeah. that park. Um,
1: uh, I'm not sure if we're at a 80,
0: <laughs> maybe 60 <laughs> percent. 50% something. I don't know. So if he's uh, still, a functional of results, so.
1: Yeah, it still would be the best bench bat by far on this team.
0: That's a low bar, but yes. Um, well,. <laughs> I have to ask you about some minor league stuff. Uh, you, of course, have the podcast and I expect you to plug uh, v- vociferously on this uh, on, on this show. But, I'm not uh, good at the plugging, Brad. I know. I'll do at... it for you later if you don't do it well yourself. <laughs> um, but I saw you were in Rome a little bit recently. So talk to me yep. about that and uh, anything that's like sort of either surprised you or encouraged you or even terrified you uh, that you've seen the minor league level in, la- in the next couple of weeks.
1: Uh, sure. Um, It's been, it's been a lot of fun to start the year. Uh, it's always fun. just like when all the teams get started, you kind of know where everyone is and you get to see how you I mean the, the, the best part for us is like, you know, we have to kind of guess where these guys are going to go and how they're going to do. Uh, and a, a lot of it is just kind of, hopes and prayers because you a full off season with these guys that especially they're so young, their bodies change, their workout regimens change, you know, and you don't know exactly how healthy they were to end the year. You're not really a hundred percent sure how healthy they are to go into the year. Um, so it's been a lot of fun for us. Um, I started, we, we kind of spread out a bit. Um, Jeff was in, he saw a couple fire frogs games. Uh, I saw the home opener at Rome and as well as the, the Saturday game after that. Uh, Garrett, I think, has already been to Gwinnett. Uh, the only place that we haven't had eyeballs on, uh, in terms of live, has been Mississippi, just because it's so far away. Um, but luckily, with the move to the Firefrogs to Florida, we actually have, you know, someone that's like, you know, within the time zone uh, to actually see them. Um, Rome was interesting because that team was really weird. There's like 60 runners on that team. There's like, I'm sorry, there's like six or seven runners on, like, base runners on that team. They're like 60 to 70 grade. <laughs> they're all they're all super fast. But then you have Darian Cruz, Christian Pache, Randy Ventura. Um, let's see, and there's and th- those are just those are kind of the main names, right? But we all, oh, and Anthony Seymour, who's a legitimate eighty grade yeah, runner. He's yeah,
0: absurd. yeah he's absurd. Yeah, he's
1: he's so fast. Uh, and then and then there's guys like Marcus Mooney who are really quick, Kevin Josephino who are really quick. I mean, and all they do is just kill people with singles. Like it, it is all singles all the time with like Christian Pache and Anthony Concepcion occasionally hitting a double, Juan Gipez occasionally hitting a double, and like but other than that they're just running wild in Low A, uh, so they're really fun to watch. Um, Randy Ventura has been like kind of a funny guy because you know when he was in the Dominican Summer League he stole like fifty or sixty bases and everyone wanted to know how well he was going to do. It was kind of like a running joke that he was like kind of like the man, the myth, the legend type thing, uh, but he's definitely thicker I think than he was in the DSL, but he can hit. Uh, he's got really good hands uh drives the ball to the opposite field really well uh he's a legitimate prospect and he's a good right fielder too uh christian pache's looked really good in the field uh at at the plate, it's been kind of hit and miss at times uh the approach on this whole team is a little you know you know it's it's a swing first ask, ask questions later um type of- approach they, they they do strike out a good bit but they also put the ball in they're also like they make enough contact and once they do they start you know basically every single is a threat to be a double or a triple so uh the position prospects have looked really fun uh, and really interesting um the two pitchers i saw started pitching anyway uh, i saw jeremy walker uh he was holding 93 95 into like the fifth or sixth inning when i was there uh fastball was a little flat uh it seemed kind of hittable but he was spotting it pretty well and breaking ball was pretty good uh so he was kind of it he was, he was kind of a little bit of a surprise to see how good he was joey wentz is an interesting pitcher because I wasn't super impressed. I thought his fastball was pretty flat, and he was only throwing. I, I never saw a pitch on a gun higher than 91 for him. Um, but he was, you know, he was moving the ball around in the zone enough, and that's kind of what he's been doing all years. Just kind of, you know, like his, he he he'll locate his pitch. He, he's not like a dedicated like I pitch to the outside type of guy, or I pitch up or anything like that. He he does move the ball around a good bit, and the breaking ball looked pretty good. Um, so the. Uh, that's what I saw. That, I mean the the relievers, you know, there's kind of is what it is. They've they've had to do a lot of work recently. because uh, they it seems like Rome's constantly in these games where like you know like, gets the extra innings and it's like one game the other day was like eighteen innings and that was the night that I had to recap and I was not happy. <laughs> um but yeah, it was it was it was a long it was a long day. Um but you know they with Low A, you know, it's you 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 are Operating under the assumption that these are all basically most of them are right at this point are teenagers or have barely played any full season ball, so I don't trade too many conclusions. But Ian Anderson has looked great. Uh, he's striking out batters at a really high clip. Um, you know, a little bit, a little bit wild right now, just a little bit. Uh, he's walking a few guys, but nothing, nothing that's too much of a red flag. And his stuff has looked really, really good—breaking uh, ball and fastball especially. Um, now, if we're just talking about guys in general that I've really liked, Alex Jackson is hitting the cover off the ball. I mean he's I, – well, I, I had it pulled up earlier, but I think he's like – his OPS is like almost 1,000 – yeah, I was,
0: that, that was the guy I was going to ask you about specifically because that's a name that people keep asking uh, me and the Talking Chop account about. And it's – I mean it's a it's – a, he's a big name but also sort of a buy low that the Braves did. So uh, I saw the numbers. Obviously, I will defer to you on scouting stuff. But uh, it seems pretty encouraging at least early on.
1: Uh, he looks 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 really good. I mean I, I think he's like striking out maybe at a, like a little less than a quarter uh, quarter of the time, which is not really what you want to see, especially since I think he's only walked twice. But he's also kind of he's making really good loud contact and he's working deep counts. Uh, the nice thing about the Firefrog – well, the bad thing about the fire Frogs is that they don't have an MILB TV stream. Uh, nothing, no one in the Florida State League really has you know video streams of them, which is really infuriating. But their audio stream is excellent, so you kind of get a good idea as to kind of what's happening in the bats and you know it gives you at least some semblance of what's going on. And between what I've asked a few people how he's lo- how he's looked at the plate. Uh, as well as kind of following that. You know, he's working deep counts. It doesn't seem like he has an approach problem. Uh, it doesn't seem like his swing is super long. He's just – he's been really, really good. He's he, he, I think he went hit list today, but I think he's had three games all year where he hasn't gotten a hit. He's just had constant streaks over and over again, uh, doing really, really well. Um, And, you know, hitting for power, hitting for average. You know, right now I think he's hitting like 320, 330, something like that. You know, he's just doing really well. And more importantly, behind the plate he's probably played a little less than half the games there. Uh, and his pitchers love him. He's calling good games. You know, when they're struggling, he will he seems to like be able to kind of rein them back in and start calling pitches to kind of get them back to get their confidence back. And, you know, I don't think he's trying to do too much back there. And he hasn't, I, mean, I think he has one pass ball, maybe a couple errors, you know, a couple throwing errors. Uh, has caught a couple base stealers. He hasn't, he hasn't caught guys at like a high, high clip, but, you know, considering a guy who hasn't caught since high school, I mean, that's, for, and for an organization that desperately needs a catching prospect, he's a really good one. Uh, and I think that there's he's gotten better and better behind the plate defensively. That he's he's going to jump up jump up some lists in terms of prospects this year. And he's really really good start so far. Um, pitching wise, I mean, to the surprise of absolutely no one, here we go. Uh, Mike Soroka is really good at baseball. Bro. Yes, yes, really, give it to really, me. Uh, okay, well, for. To be fair, Kobe Allard is also really, really good at baseball. That whole rotation is ridiculous down in Mississippi. For any of our listeners who are in Mississippi, just go to Pearl and just watch any of the, any of those guys. Any of them is fine because they're all so good, uh, and they're, they're they're so fun to watch for all of them or for different reasons. But Mike's just not giving up anything. And it, it's, it's hilarious because the first start I saw, the strike zone, this umpire – was easily two thirds the normal strike zone. It was he wasn't giving up anything on the outside, right? Just like if it was on the outside corner, it was a ball. It didn't matter. I, Mike's given up I think six hits all year so far. <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, first he had a first he had a five shutout innings, I think. The next one he gave up one earned run where he was it was with one out left in the game. He was it was a, it was a doubleheader and he was in the seventh inning and the last hitter he left a ball up. And the guy hit a solo home run, but that was the first hit. Or I'm sorry, the first run he had given up all day, and I think it was the third hit all day. And he struck out a bunch of guys. And then this last game, he gave up two runs, but it was – he gave up uh, – he hit up – in his last inning, he hit a batter, gave up his first hit of the day, which was a triple, scoring that runner. And the other runner scored on a wild pitch. He didn't give up another hit in that game. Bat- batters are batting 108 against him. Is that good? Seems pretty good. Yeah, I mean, and he's striking out batters. He's just, he looks, and he's the guy that we, I've been preaching about for a long time. He's a, you know, he's a command and control guy. His stuff is better than he get, that people give him credit for. He doesn't have Tukey's or Freed's curve and he doesn't have Weigel's or, or Newcomb's fastball that, that runs up 98, but he changes speeds well. He knows how to pitch and his changeup is so much better this year. It's really keeping, bat, people, batters can't sit on, you know, can't sit on his fastball because that changeup is going to eat him. Uh, and, he's, and he's throwing strikes and guys are really off balance. He gets some really ugly swings on pitches that you wouldn't expect him to get really ugly pitches uh, swings and misses on. Uh, he's striking out more batters this year than he was last year. Um, I thought that a move up, like a, an aggressive move up might help him a bit because, you know, he's not just going up. He's not against low-way hitters or just, you know, you know swinging and praying because there's not as there's not much of a thought process because they haven't really learned how to hit yet. These are guys who are going to try to outthink Mike, and it's just not going to work. So, you know, he's going to be able to outthink them and get them to do things that they don't want to do. So really excited how he started the year. The whole rent, Mississippi rotation has been excellent. But uh, in particular, Colby and Mike have really been really, really good.
0: Yeah, we actually got a question uh, from Patrick Mollett on Twitter. I appreciate the question, Patrick. Um, he asks, uh, you know, he, he basically says, it's still early, assuming Allard and Soroka do well. Should the Braves keep them both in AA all season, regardless of how well they do? I guess people are trying to already start pushing these guys, but it's worth uh, that, I, um, worth asking.
1: I mean, it all—it it depends a lot of what happens in in AAA more than anything. I don't think that if you aggressively promote pitchers to AA, that moving them up to AAA is going to matter much either way. If that makes any sense, if they're—if they do really well in AA, then they're probably going to be competing for the same slots that they would normally be in spring training next year. Um, it depends. For example, Lucas Sims has been intermittently quite good this season he's had a couple he's, you know he's, he, it, it hasn't been peak lucas sims where he's good for four innings and then he gives up six runs or anything but you know has had some inconsistencies but overall he's you know he's, he's been doing pretty well uh do they move him to the bullpen out of the rotation uh do the do they do something with sean newcomb where he gets called up um there's you know there's questions in that Gwinnett rotation uh, aaron blair matt whistler chief among them um if there's openings that open up i think a guy like patrick weigel who's a little bit older would be inclined to get promoted first and again all these guys have been pitching well so it's not like a a huge you know consideration one way or the other other than maybe like you know like age and wanting to be able to get give guys enough time and reps and things like that um freed being another one because he's already on the 40-man roster Uh, although he hasn't he's actually had a really rough start to the year um you know it's if they're pitching really well, do you move them up? Maybe. But like I said, I think there's a lot... With moving guys from AA to AAA, I think it has a lot more to do with what's going on with the AAA roster than anything else because there's not really that much of a reason to move them to AAA. The yeah, I mean, sports.
0: is it... It's sort of always the question. Like, people always treat... I mean, this makes sense. that They treat it linearly to be going from double to AAA. But a lot of times, you know, the top prospects are not in AAA. They're normally a nope. little bit lower. So, I don't know. It wouldn't be that big of a deal. And with that said, I can't imagine them pushing them too well, especially because, you know, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the reason no, – I don't want to say a lot. Maybe some of the reason the, to have a guy in, the, in Gwinnett is to have him close to the big league club. And neither of those guys are coming up anytime soon uh, to the big league club because they're still incredibly young. So I, it would surprise me if they wanted to push uh, – because, listen, pushing those they're guys – They're both no, going to be 19 until say, August, Brad. <laughs> them, being, them, being, them being in double A right now is pushing them, to be honest. I mean, given no, no, their age. I, I was I, – I, I, we, we knew that Fred was going to go.
1: And I was sure that Weigel was going to stay there because he ended the year like – I think he made two or three starts from Mississippi at the end of the year. Uh, I thought they were going to be there. I was genuinely shocked. I, I thought that the, the high A to double A jump I understand a lot more as moving him up, one to get more experienced competition – again, get a more get against more experienced competition. Uh, to move them up right to double A was kind of shocking to me, given how young they are. But I talked to – I think I talked to five different players and said that those two guys had – unbelievable springs unbelievable springs and that's why they got bumped up they actually uh i heard a rumor that uh allard soroka and austin riley had already got an apartment together in orlando and then they got the call saying they were going to mississippi instead so wow. now austin riley so austin riley had to like you know get uh, that, that's the rumor i heard whether or not it's true or not is completely different but you know it's it's just hilarious to me that you know i mean like it, I, th- I think that those guys really showed out in the spring and you know they're now they're doing it in the regular scenes and it's really fun to watch
0: for sure, uh, and listen, it's always good. It's, it's exciting when the Bigley Club, especially, is struggling to look down and see all this uh, incredible talent in the uh, minors, and it's always it's it's better to have that than the way that it used to be. Even you know, three four years ago, when it was uh, you know Sean, Sean Gilmartin. and oh uh, uh who oh, else yeah. was it? Else uh, was it? it was oh, the, uh, J. R. Graham. We got R. Todd R. Cunningham. Graham, uh, Christian Bethencourt was the number one guy for a while. Uh, t- uh,
1: uh, Todd um, Todd Cunningham. We've got um, oh, there's <laughs> there's some real gems. I got to think. Oh, there was another guy whose name I can't remember now, but he was like he was like a first round pick in like 2011, and he was around forever. But he's no longer with the organization.
0: Yeah, there was a lot. There was a lot going on. So it's nice to have the have fun guys to talk about um, down there. Uh, Well, Eric, I appreciate you doing this, man. Uh, Please plug your show. If you don't if you don't do it, then I will. But I'm gonna let you try to do Uh, uh. it first.
1: All right, I'll try. Uh, each week, or we're, we're still trying to get it sorted out for how we're going to do it in season because week, weekly recaps you know, can seem a little bit tedious. Uh, but the the name of our podcast that I do, along with Garrett Spain, you might know him as Braves Farm Updates on Twitter, uh, as well as Gaurav Vidak. You may know him as Braves Reddit on Twitter. Uh, we all do a minor league podcast. It's called The Road to Atlanta. Uh, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at at road the number two atlanta uh and we it's basically an hour-long show and we have guests on sometimes uh hopefully we're gonna be able to get some players on soon uh we've had you know a lot of some we have radio guys we've had analysts from baseball america come on as well uh we just t- we talk minor league baseball and this during the season it's gonna be a lot of going through what's happened in the previous week or two talking about the developments and these guys seeing what we're what we're seeing things we're worried about things we're not worried about uh, and really just kind of getting – really having really in-depth discussions about the, all aspects about minor league baseball. Uh, the the fortunate thing about what we do is that we can dig we, – since we don't have to parse too much what's going on in the major league club, we can really – we can talk about guys that don't necessarily get – much coverage from you know national media or even prospect ranking lists because you know those are the kind of guys that can sneak up and be really interesting uh we, we, and it also is a nod to these teams because you know there's gonna be a there are so many players on these rosters that are never going to see the major leagues but that doesn't mean that they didn't do something valuable on the field or something interesting so we really delve into that and we you know we try to tell those stories as well as talk about player development and you know try to pre- give you, give useful information and preview guys who we hope will be in atlanta in the next couple of years
0: yeah, for sure. Please, please su- subscribe. Do all that fun stuff, and also uh, Road Atlanta is hosted on TalkingShop com. So there's a post uh, that Eric does. Up, I believe you write it usually, right? Um, yeah, it goes usually. Up, it goes up after the uh, podcast on uh, on on the site. So check that out as well, um, Eric. Uh, Again, man, I appreciate you doing this. As always, we'll do it again shortly because uh, we're in season and there's like stuff to talk about. It's really, it's really nice, and uh, it's, it's almost harder for you guys to do well, the minor league to, stuff. Well, I, well I have to catch up with Scott,
1: right? Because I mean, I don't know how many appearances he has on me now, but he definitely has a few now.
0: Yeah, the problem the problem is, and this is a little bit inside, inside baseball, is that I, I don't sleep, and Scott is on West Coast time, so we can record at like 11 p.m. and it's for me, and it's great because Scott's awake. But uh, yeah, you're definitely number two. I mean, aside from Carlos, it's Scott, and then it's you in terms of uh, appearances. But yeah, we'll have to see if you can catch catch okay, Scott. First, okay.
1: Okay. First of all, I I heard the waiver in your voice when you said I was the number two. No,
0: Second, I was trying to do the math. Like am I messing somebody. No, I think that's I, I, true. I
1: have, I have a funny story. So we 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 did the podcast where we previewed every single minor league roster that was released. Oh yes. We started recording that at like. 1030 at night and it was a two hour podcast that I then had to edit that night.
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I know the, I am only feeling well, uh, for those of you that don't know, I also host a daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. You're um, mute. So, yeah, there's some, right. there's some late-night stuff going on for sure. But uh, listen, I'll have to have you on more. I'll take full responsibility for not having you on uh, lately. No it's, but Carlos is, no, it's
1: Carlos's fault. It's fine. Oh, everything,
0: everything is always Carlos's fault. But uh, yeah. I, I do want to have you on more often uh, now that we <laughs> have uh, broken the seal since you started your own podcast. I wanted to let that simmer a little bit, let people focus on that a little bit. Oh, uh,
1: no. I, I, look, I, lo- I love listening to Scott. I love I love when Carlos comes on. And we, I mean, I, I – People would get tired of listening to me and reading my stuff anyway. You know what I mean? I, I love listening <laughs> to all of you. I mean I, – I, and, and, and some days, honestly, it's probably better that like I probably have not given access to a recording device and a microphone because sometimes I get really salty. Uh, in particular, the rumors today that because Ozzy Albies was in the state of New York that the Braves are going to be calling him up. Um, oh, my you know, goodness. Yeah, this is a thing. This was a thing I today. That. I
0: missed that actually.
1: Oh uh, No, he, he took an Instagram post and like Gwinnett is playing Rochester. And he – all it was was a picture of of Ozzy Albies sitting and it said New York, New York on it, which was clearly like he was either in the city visiting well, since like their game got rained out today or like he just was to say New York, New York on Instagram. But you know, one funny Twitter post turned into Ozzy Albies is going to be called up and is he going to play third base? And I was like, what is even happening no, right now?
0: No, he is not going to play third base. No, he
1: is not. No, he is not. But somehow it got into Bowman's ear, and he had to clarify that this is not going to be happening.
0: Yeah, so. and if Bowman has to address it, you know, Bow- Bowman's the uh, the chief. Well, so. well, well that, well, that was that was Scott saying, "Please stop this." Oh, <laughs> I'm sure. And Scott has the for, for, somehow Scott has the direct line to Mark Bowman, which I always appreciate about Scott, because um, <laughs> it's good. We can get we can get Bowman's comments whenever we need him. So, shout out to Mark Bowman. Shout out to you, Eric Cole. I appreciate you doing this, my friend.
1: Absolutely, it was a blast. Man.
0: Uh, all right. Well, uh, as for the uh, as for everybody else, we'll be back next week. Uh, hopefully, the Reds will ride the ship by then. And uh, even if they haven't, we'll be here. So stay tuned.